Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. So, uh, if you're a first-time guest today, thank you for being here. During service, I didn't know it, but my mom and dad walked in today, and I am glad to have my dad and my mom in the house today, big time. And uh, these are amazing people. On, on um, Friday and Saturday, uh, they were in Tyler doing a marriage conference. They're 73 years of age, teaching other people how to have great marriages. And if anybody can do it, it's them. And they're still doing ministry, and so proud of them, so proud of them. So I'm glad y'all are here today because y'all may need to pray for me after this subject. But I'm in life meds, and I'm not going uh, in line with the Ten Commandments. Uh, Years ago, I did a series called Ten, and I went in line. This series, I'm jumping all around, completely different than I did years ago, completely different content and everything. But uh, in this series, we're calling it Life Meds because what we're doing, there is a commandment. There's Ten Commandments in Exodus and Numbers, and, and there's Ten Commandments, and I am not really focused and staying on the thou shalt not. I am, and although I'm touching on that, I'm saying that behind every thou shalt not is a principle of thou shalt. So behind every no or don't do this, there is an underlying principle that is there And all of the Ten Commandments, remember this, this was a God that had just led them out of Egypt, and so this was a God that was establishing relationship. And it was a God who was established. So you you have to remember that. Everything we're talking about over these ten weeks is about relationship between God, and listen to this, and others. Two key things, God and others. Everybody say relationship between God and others. So, in the commandments, you get things about God, like we preached last week, priorities. And then, and then this week, we're going to have that others thing. And, it, and, it really, and they all kind of tie in together, uh, but just really, really different subject. I wouldn't miss a week if I was you, because every week's going to be unique. But I will definitely keep you awake today. So, today I skipped to the seventh commandment. And the reason I did so is because it's Valentine's weekend. Lots of roses, lots of guys strutting their stuff, a lot of swag, if you got a present. If you didn't give a present, Lord, right now I'm asking that you would be with my brothers. But, um, but I want to talk to you today, it's the seventh commandment, and, and I want to tie it in to the Valentine's weekend because this is a lovey weekend and so we want to talk a little bit about lovey stuff. And so Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14 reads as this, you shall not commit adultery. Now I laugh, but that's not a funny subject, but uh, it's just unique that it is so strong. You shall not commit adultery. And again, behind every shall not is a shout. It's something that you need to do. Something you need to do. The enemy would love to steal all God's good things and replace it with evil things, but we want relationship with God and we want relationship with our spouses and and, and others. So I'm calling today, and again, this is my principle that I'm giving out of this message that I believe is the underlying principle to thou shalt, you shall not commit adultery. So, this is it. So, we're calling today the life med. You need to take this med, the life med of intimacy. Intimacy. The life med of intimacy. So, I believe this tells us how to have intimacy with God and with each other and especially in our marriages. And so I want to share with you three ways that people have intimacy. And so I've asked you to kind of have the kids out today, make sure they're out today, because I want to get 
super honest to a lot of the adults here today. We are three, we are three parts. We're made up in the three parts, and that, those three parts are body, soul, and body, soul, and spirit. And let me tell you this, you can have intimacy in all three of these areas. Intimacy in all three of these areas. And so we've got body, soul, and spirit. And so I'm going to kind of march down through this and talk to you about how you can have intimacy and body, soul, and spirit. So let's start off, first of all, with body. So when I talk about body, you know this, that there was a commandment here, thou shalt not commit adultery. And you can commit adultery in your body. You're like, duh. Okay? I knew that one. But you can also have... God's formed, designed intimacy in your body. And so this this seems self-explanatory, but I want to show you some scriptures of where it kind of went wrong here. And then I want to try to bring some things where it went right, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, this is New Testament. It says, flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. Now, this is very unique. Everybody always tells me, well, one sin is as good as another sin. They're all, they're all, they're all sin. No, 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 no. They're not all sin. Well, I, you know, this and that, they're all the same. No, they're not all the same. This is unique, and this is where people, you know, they want to put uh, still in the candy bar at, at the grocery store the same as having premarital sex. Completely different, okay? Both, both wrong, but... Listen to this. Flee sexual immorality and every sin that a man, that a man, uh, let me get my, is out, is, it does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Let me tell you why it's different. That candy bar that you steal at the, the store, you can you know, your mom can catch you and say, hey, you stole the candy bar, and you can take the candy bar back. You can steal somebody's truck. You can steal somebody's car and feel bad about it and take it back. You can't steal anybody's virginity and take it back. So you can't do that. It's a sin against the own body. And so, and so I, I, I want to I amplify that today and deal. Now, I know that in a room like this, there is, uh, because you're raised in... In this generation where sex is, people have so run from the Word of God that sex is out of control in our world. And you don't have to say amen, but it is out of control in our world and our morals are so messed up. Let me, let me go in verse 19. Or do you not know, in other words, you're supposed to know this, don't you get this, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the only thing. It's the naos. It's the only thing that God gives temple status to. Old Testament, the temple was everything. The body in the New Testament is the only thing that God gives temple status to. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? He's in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You're not your own, for you were Bought with a price. Remember we read that last week. We talked about that last week. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, therefore, this is what I want you to do. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Everybody say in your body and in your spirit. Remember we talked about there's three parts there. In your body. So I want you to glorify God in your body and in your spirit. As you all know, I'm going to be very, talk very plain today. I'll be clean, but I'll talk very plain today. That God created us. Amen? God created us. If you've got that all messed up, we need to have some conversations. But God created us. So I'm going to surprise you a little bit right now, all right? Y'all ready? God formed all of your sexual parts. He did. He made all of your sexual parts. God created that. Now, Pastor, why did you linger in that? So, so, so if you think about that, then you have to think about the other side, and that is, did God create sex? Some of you are going, uh, I think I have the right answer. He did. He 
created sex. And I want you to be real careful about the amens today. Because they could throw me off. He formed it for you. And He formed it for you to enjoy and have pleasure. And listen to this. I didn't hear what they said, but maybe I shouldn't. (laughs) To have pleasure and intimacy. To have pleasure and intimacy. That was his idea. But, But you know what? We don't often think of it in a good way. In fact, me dealing with this here today and us being at church is kind of making some people go, ugh. Man, I wish you wouldn't do this at church. I wish you wouldn't say this at church. Because we don't think of sex oftentimes in a good way. We think of it in a bad way. But God created. That's why I'm trying to establish this today. He's our creator. He created sex and he created it to propagate. propagate, And he also created it for you to enjoy. Y'all going to let me talk today and be honest and open and y'all going to kick me out? If not, if you do, me and Adina are going on a trip. We probably need a break. No, I'm just kidding. There's almost a feeling in the church that you have to be approved. It's like I got saved and I lost all of my desire and passion. Now, if you tell me that and I'm counselor and I'm saying, you lying. Because I think personally, when you get in the... In the close to God and you have intimacy with God, it creates also an intimacy for your spouse. It is a proven fact. And and you can read this even through Focus on the Family. But Focus on the Family through many research like that, that that, uh, Christian marriages are, are the most, some have some of the greatest sexual things that inside that marriage that are healthy. Because I think when you get intimate with God, that you equally want to connect with your spouse. So, you don't have to be approved if you're going to serve God. And yet, I'm trying to tell you that God actually created you to have fun in marriage. He created you to have intimacy. And this is this. He gave you the equipment to do so. And everybody's kind of got that nervous laugh. But I got you. <laughs> he gave you the equipment. And I'm going to be even more strict. And it all, it all fits. It works together. He did that. He blessed us with that. Man and woman have taken that and, and turned it to evil, but God's meant, God, he's a good, good father. And when you get saved, he can take what the devil meant for evil and turn it for good because it should be the most blessed thing in your house because God created a desire in your body to have intimacy, to do one thing, and uh, do a number of things, but one of those is to draw you together as husband and wife, bring you face to face, and have intimacy. To have intimacy. And so... We talked about the body, and you knew that. So you can have, you can commit adultery in your body, but on the flip side of it, you can have godly intimacy within that. And so the principle there is intimacy. I don't want to ever fall into the thou shalt not. I want to stay on the thou shalt. I want to stay in the fact that God wants me to have intimacy, and I, I'm, 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 I'm going to stay with that one right there. The second thing that you can have, you've got body, and the next thing you have is soul, soul, body and soul, the soul. So you can also commit adultery in your soul, but God didn't want it to be that way. He wanted you to have intimacy in your soul. So. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 says, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own, what? The soul is involved up in this intimacy process. Now this word destroy in the Hebrew, it means corrupts. He corrupts his soul. He, let me give you some other uh, words to help amplify. He injures it. He wastes it. 
he or she batters it. And this is the one that stands out to me. He rots or she rots the soul. The soul begins to rot. At this time, I almost want to stand up and give it the redeeming God of glory a hand clap for saving our rotting souls. Can we give the Lord up some praise right now? Now, this is what I want you to get, that the soul is made up of three parts, and that is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So there's three parts. I know we got the body, soul, spirit, but on this part called the soul, I want to bring out three parts here because it's very big because they have the mind, you have the emotions, and you have the will, okay? And so I want to amplify those for you here just a second. The mind is how you think about things. It's, it's, it's the thinking about things. And in, so your soul is made up, and this is your mind, okay? You can have adultery up in here. You can have adultery up in here. You can have intimacy up in here. Your emotions, how you feel about things. Your will, the decisions that you make. And you can commit adultery in your mind and your will and your emotions, that soul of a man, you can commit adultery in there. But God's saying, hey, 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 I don't even want you to go there. I want you to have intimacy in your mind and your will and in your emotions. I, want you, I don't even want you to have to deal with the other. So I'm putting up some things to help you to establish relationship with God and relationship with others. And so I want your mind, your will, and emotions to be a part of it. But you can live in intimacy using your mind, your will, and your emotion. God actually designed you to live this way. And when you, when you do, you can't imagine the intimacy that you will experience between you and your spouse in a God-designed marriage when your mind, your will, and your emotions are plugged into it, your soul's plugged into it, I'm going to tell you that it becomes fantastic. <laughs> Phenomenal. Incredible. It's a blessing. It, 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 it is it is. It is God built you in a world that you can have fantasy within your mind, will, and emotions, and God bless those fantasies, and God bless those things. I'm going to just stop right here. It's not in my notes, but I'm going to tell you this. See what's happening in our world today. Men and women are turning to porn. It is, it is like the second largest business in the world because they're got, they have their soul engaged, their mind, will, and emotions because they don't want to deal with commitment. And so they will look at something, they will watch something that engages their mind, will, and emotions, and they're committing adultery without ever even touching anything with their body. This is good whether I get any amens or not. So I'm saying... Don't get involved in that. Come on this side, have your mind, will, emotions tied in and connected with your spouse and with your, your loved one. Your, 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 not your loved one. That could be wide open. So, so affairs, listen to this, affairs start in the soul. They start in the soul before they ever get to the body. Well, I just walked in and she was so cute. He was so cute. And, uh, and my body just, just craved them. Y'all like my voice there? It started in your soul. It started up in your soul. See, lust precedes adultery. And let me show you what precedes lust. So lust precedes adultery. But what is in front of lust? That is another L word called look. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. You have heard it said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, this is New Testament, that whoever looks at a woman to lust has already committed adultery. And we're like, oh my God. Because it involves your mind, will, and emotions. It involves this. It involves the soul of a man. And, the, and what precedes lust is the look. So lust precedes adultery. But looking precedes lust. 
That's the first thing that's going to get happen. Let me, let me prove it to you. Potiphar's wife in the Bible, Potiphar's wife, the Bible says, cast longing eyes upon Joseph. She looked before she lusted. David saw Bathsheba taking a bath. I think that's just so funny to me. What? Her name's Bathsheba. Okay, anyway, that always cracks me up. I mean, like, isn't that funny? I mean, it's, it's funny. That's Bible humor right there. Y'all didn't even catch it. You're so nervous about what I'm about to say. You just, I can't even laugh about that. David saw Bathsheba from his balcony, and he, he what? Looked, and it stirred up lust, which caused adultery. Of course, we know it even ended up causing murder. It stirred up all kind of stuff, but it started with looking, just looking. Job chapter 31 and verse 1 says this, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I, I, I've, I've, I've had to make a covenant. Now, don't raise your hand. I'm going to throw myself under the bus. I've had to make a covenant with my eyes. Pastor, you a holy man. You, you have a, a, a holy thing around your head. No, that's just my bald head. I'm a normal man. I have normal drives. I have normal passions. Most pastors wouldn't tell you that. But I have normal drives, normal passions, and I've had to make a covenant with my eyes. I said, eyes today, you can't do that today, eyes. You can't look there today, eyes. Pastor, I don't know if I know if I hear if you preach anymore. Well, I'm just telling you, this is the truth. I've had to make a covenant with my eyes. If Job had to do it, I'm telling you, Keating had to do it. Had to make a covenant with my eyes. If you're a normal, red-blooded American man, you better make covenant with your eyes. Ladies, you better make covenant with your eyes. I, a, a pastor of a man a few years ago, both his, him and his wife have passed away. They were elderly. We did a marriage retreat, and he came up to me. If y'all saw this little man, first of all, he's the cutest little man in the history of anybody I've ever pastored. He was real, real short, real, real short. The folks who have been around here a long time will know who I'm talking about. He was a conductor on a train. He, was, he just fit that part. I mean, he, he was the cutest little fella ever. And me and Dana did a marriage retreat, and it was kind of funny that they were even there. I mean, because they were way up in age at that time. And he came up to me afterwards, and he said, Pastor. I said, yeah. I mean, you could tell you had something really powerful to say to me. He said, uh, that stuff you're talking about, everything? He said, I know what you're talking about. He said, just a few years ago, I was driving my car, <laughs> and I saw this woman jogging down the street, and I turned my head and stared at her and ran right through the yard of one of the neighbors. <laughs> it's not half as funny if you because you hadn't seen the man. And I looked at him like, that is funny right there. He said, Pastor, don't tell my wife I did that. I don't know what lie he put around that because of the damage on that car, but God bless my brother, he will forgive. But I'm just telling you something right there. I'm just telling you something right now. That is funny. When he told me that, I just, I just started busting out laughing. I said, bro, it's between me and you. And he's gone and passed on and his wife gone and passed on. So I'm, I'm blessing my brother today. But, but I'm just telling you something. He ran right up through the yard. Don't tell me because you're up in age, you still don't have desires and passions. Don't tell me you still don't take a gander. And that's not Gander Mountain I'm talking about. You, 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 you're drawn. You're drawn. God put all that in you, man. He put all of that in you, woman. He put that in you. No wonder pornography is a booming business, multi, multi-billion businesses because God put us a desire in us to see, see all that. He put it in us. Isn't that a cool God? I think I'm like, you're awesome. Y'all are going to loosen up time I get to the end. We're walking, me and Adina are walking around, and this is what she tells me, not because I've ever messed up in this category. But she'll, we'll be walking around through the mall and she'll go, she'll see something coming. Y'all ever seen something? Something will mess you up. 
Before I get to there, I want to say this. If you wear sunglasses, <laughs> you must remember your head generally turns when your eyes do. <laughs> Not that I have done such a thing. We've been out, and, and, and she sees something walking towards me, and it's, you know, it's, it's floosy, it's looking, you know, and she says, uh, this is what she tells me, bump those eyes. And I'm like, what, 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 what? You know what? You know what I hear when she tells me that? A woman who loves her man. Bump those eyes. Thank you, conscience. Bump those eyes. I want to speak to the men just a second. I'm not going to have you stand, but I want to speak to the men for just a second. If looking precedes lust, let's turn this around on the devil and give our eyes to our wives. Is that cool? Let's turn this around the devil. Let's do some, let's have some thou shouts. Let's give our eyes to our wives. And I don't care if you've been married, I'm speaking to the men for just a, just a second. I don't care if you've been married 50 years or one, I'm encouraging you to look at your wife again in the way that you first saw her and wake up those eyes to your spouse. Wake up those eyes to your spouse. Now, I'm going to speak to the women just a second. Is that cool? Women, you've got to understand something. This is not 50 years ago. We live in the most sexualized world. It is unbelievable. You have no earthly idea what your husband, I'm just going to say husband for just a second. I'm not saying you don't fight battles. You have no earthly idea what your husband is wrestling with in these areas. If you ever read a book called Every Man's Battle, you might get a hint a little bit of what's going on in a man's mind. And so, in this, we live in a sexualized world. We, um, this past year, I, I'm not here to get off all on this, but I just want to give you an example of what I'm talking about. The number one most rated event to see every year is the Super Bowl. And we had about 40 of us this year watching the Super Bowl, good Christian people watching the Super Bowl. And in a family event, kids everywhere, kids watching the highest rated thing to watch. The halftime show, not here to get off all into that, I'm just telling you. The halftime show was what 30 years ago you had to pay a price to get into a gentleman's club to see. I don't know why they call them gentlemen's clubs, but anyways. Are you with me? I was, I was at this event uh, watching the Super Bowl, and when the sh halftime show started, of course, I heard, bump those eyes, bump those eyes. But I, I had to just turn my head, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual there. I can't expose my eyes to that. Now, you can say, well, you're a prude. Maybe so. But I can't, I can't do that. We live in a, such a sexualized world that every time I would turn back to see where it was in the halftime show, I was like, oh, my God. And I watched something happen that day. We had kids in the room playing everywhere. There was kids, you know, boys playing, you know, chasing the dog. And I mean, it was just wild kids, you know, just being kids. And when the halftime show, they're playing, they're football, Super Bowl. And I watched three little boys set up three chairs and sit like this at the halftime show. And I hit a Dean and I said, they wasn't watching football, but they're watching this. What I'm trying to tell you is from little bitty boys, they're starting to see a sexualized world. And some of you are offended about me talking about it in a clean way at church today. And so, so, wise, I want to talk to you just a second. 
because the devil is after our eyes, I'm going to encourage you ladies, you hold a power in that. You hold a power in that because you can let your eye, your man's eyes be blessed. Let him be blessed. What you think is ugly about you, he thinks is beautiful. What you think is, well, it's not, it doesn't look like it did 20 years ago. He's going, how? What you're sweating going, I just tell you, I gained a little weight and I gained, he's going, ha, 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 ha. You have a power. But instead of using that power to manipulate you also, God gave you a power that only you can take and settle and take care of your man's eyes. He gave you a gift. No one else has that gift. But he says, I give it to you. Is that all right today? So, I make a covenant with my eyes. My eyes belong to you, Adina. And, and, and I, I don't want you to stand up and turn to your neighbor, but guys, I believe you would say that with me, making a covenant with my eyes. The last thing I want to talk about here is this, well, not the last thing, but here where I'm at, the spirit. The next thing, you have body, you have soul, and you have spirit. The spirit, something happens in the spirit with Intimacy. Something happens with the spirit with intimacy. Listen to what happens inside of a marriage when intimacy takes place. Listen to this. Genesis chapter 2, 24. Therefore a man, listen to this closely, therefore a man shall leave his father. Everybody say, everybody say leave. Everybody, er, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined. Everybody say joined. Everybody say cleave. So you, you often said you leave and you cleave. This is where we get the scripture from. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be, and the word here, it means cleave. And cleave to his wife. What's it talking about when it means cleave? And they shall become one flesh. So you leave, this is big, you leave every time you have intimacy you leave and you cleave. You cleave. So there is a leaving and a cleveland. Cle cleveland. Cleaving. They become one flesh. There's intimacy. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17. Do you not know that your bodies are a member of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Or you do not know that he who joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. So even when there's sexual issues going on between a, a man and a harlot, there's still a cleaving. There's a leaving and a cleaving that's going on. Even in the sinful world. There's a leave in the Cleveland. By the way, that's why you need to go, everybody in this church needs to go through freedom because at our freedom conference, we do something that I believe that is, is, is beautiful, God ordained, and God anointed to help you deal with all of the junk in the past where you've made mistakes. So there's a leaving and there's a Cleveland. At Cle why do I see, keep saying Cleveland? Maybe I need to go to Cleveland. There's a oneness that happens, and we're talking about in the body, but it happens also in the spirit also. There's always a leaving when there is a cleaving. Parents will tell you, we could almost tell you down to the day when something changed about our kid when they started having sex with their girlfriends or boyfriends. Were they still in the house? Yes. They were still in the house. But something wasn't there anymore. There was a leaving and a cleaving. Cleaving. There, there, it, it goes down to the point like this. Listen to this. 
It goes down to this, that a husband or a wife can almost tell you when an affair starts, even though they don't know much about it. They can almost tell you because they sense a difference in their relationship. They sense a difference. Are they still at home? Yes, but there's a difference. Somebody left. Because there's always a leaving and a cleaving. And so, because there's that oneness that happens, that begins to happen in that moment, that because in order to cleave, you have to leave. You have to leave. In order to join yourself with someone else, you have to leave someone. I'm telling you, something happens in the Spirit. You can't even hardly put your, put your hand, uh, finger on it, but there's something that happens in the Spirit. I want you to notice what happens when we have intimacy with God. Watch this. Verse 17, same chapter, what I was just reading, verse 17. But he who is joined, everybody say cleave. There it is again, same word, all right? Same word. But he who is joined, cleaves, to the Lord is one spirit with him. There's, there's, they're together. There's intimacy between you and Christ. That's why I told you these commandments are built around relationship with you and God and relationship with you and others. But he was joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. When you commit adultery, you lose your intimacy with God. And don't I, this is so prevalent in our day that our people are trying to convince themselves that they have an on fire relationship with God all the while having an affair on God. I want to just wake you up. I don't care what day it is. I may not be popular for saying it. And one day they may put me in the news as I'm a freak old-fashioned person. But I'm going to always go back to the Word of God. Times will change, but the Word of God stands forever. And I'm just telling you, it's the real deal. Lean into the power of what God called you to do. Don't do that. If this has been an area where you have not scored well in the past, I get it. Maybe you've made some mistakes in the past. I get it. But I'm going to tell you here today at Parkway, we're a place where grace and truth meet. And so the grace of God is wanting to have intimacy with you. What you have made mistakes in in the past, I want you to do this. I want you to repent and confess your sins to God. Why am I wanting you to do that? Because God built you for intimacy and I want you to have intimacy with God and I want you to have intimacy in your relationships. So what do you do? What do you do if you've had premarital sex? What do you do if you messed up on your spouse? I'm not here to make you leave this place today with your head hanging low and I'm a failure, I'm a nobody, I have a rotting soul. What I'm here today is telling you it's time to repent. It's time to get our heart right. If my body, soul, and spirit has had compromise there, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to run you off to some other place. I'm here to say, hey, 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 the beauty, the greatest beauty of this church is that we believe in a God of grace, not a God of grace that continues to allow lasciviousness or sin to just run rampant without ever touching it. But I'm talking about this, but a God that says, hey, I want you more whole than you are now. And if you're not intimate, there's a lack of wholeness. And I want to bring wholeness to you by healing your heart so that you can have a whole heart that can be full with the intimacy of a God and also with someone that you love. Somebody give, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Will there be scars? Will there be scars? Absolutely. That's why it's a sin against the own body. You can't take that back, man. But I don't want to leave a wound open. A scar is a good thing. A scar says there was healing where there once was a cut. And what you did in high school and, and what you did in or junior high or what, what, what happened to you, all that kind of stuff. And I weep for this area because it's such an emotional thing. Such an emotional thing. And the church is not talking about it enough. Our world is out of control in this area. And I'm going to just tell you, us ministers feel a little hesitance of talking about it in public because we know people want to talk about just things that they consider to be holy. 
But I'm just telling you, in this room, I think it's so holy that we deal with some of these things today in a purest sense because God is wanting us to have wholeness in our life. Amen? So will there be scars? Absolutely, because you sinned against your own body. But move on anyway. It's worth it to be right with the Lord and your spouse. Move on. Let the Lord restore that intimacy with himself and with others and especially with our spouses. Let him restore that. Let him be a God who is a healer. Whether you were the offender in the party or the one who was offended in it, whether you won the one that created the hurt or you won the one that happened to you, whether you was the spouse that the, the other spouse made the mistake, sometimes that's where the greatest issue lies. If people are recovering from what another spouse did, I'm not here to beat you up. I think we're all in this together, and we're all here this morning not to pretty up and not look good just to be in the house, but we're here to have healing and restoration from a God who is a healer and a restorer. If your spouse is messed up, I'm asking you, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking you to extend, extend the same amount of grace that, they, that, that God has extended to you. Let there be healing in the house. Let there be restoration in this house and let's move forward serving God going to heaven together in the name of Jesus. So, I'm going to close this out today. Scott, could you come up and play some like Valentine jazz? Get me out of this. God, why did you make it one of the ten? Oh, but I'm having an enjoyable time speaking of this to you because I, bring it, I believe it brings life to you. So I want to give you practical tips because I can preach about all this, but if I don't give you really practical tips on restoring your intimacy with your spouse. And I know we have singles in the room. That's why we don't talk about marriage every week. We talk about relationships in general, but there's times we just need to talk about marriages. And so, and if you're a single, you need to really hear this too because you're in that time of dating and, oh, my mercy, you, you need all this stuff. I want to give you some practical tips for restoring intimacy with your spouse real quick, and then we're going to let you run. You ready? Here we go. Number one, I don't have these on the screen for you. I'm sorry. Number one is this. You'll need to write this in your phone or something, but good intimacy is about adjusting expectations and working towards mutually satisfying resolutions. So, you come into a marriage and you both have these expectations and sometimes those are really on fire because of the sexual, sexualizing that's taken place in your early years. The sexual things you've been exploited to. And so, so in this, I need you to have really, really look at your expectations. Really look at your expectations. And so, you're going to have to have conversations, which is a beautiful thing. God wants you to have conversation. He wants you to have intimacy through dialogue. And, and I'll talk more about that in a second. But he wants you to, so, so talk about it. Some people have a really strong drive in intimacy. And others, they want intimacy. They have a strong drive in intimacy too. It's just in a different way. Because everybody's drawn... Uh, Every man and woman has an intimacy. They, they want intimacy. They crave it. But what he or she may crave may be different than what you crave. So there has to be realigning yourself with your expectations. Is that okay? So have some dialogue there. Ha have dialogue. And I can't have that dialogue for you. If you need to see a, a counselor to help you with that and get you started in that, please do. Please do. But have realign your expectations have dialogue there. the number two is the best sexual intimacy comes through honest communication get honest with one another get honest with one another get honest honesty is huge what do I mean by honesty open up man engage the mind through honest communication and watch you start being drawn to your spouse. Have, have, that, have that healthy dialogue that comes through honest communication. Talk out things. Talk out things. I could get real explicit here. But really talk out things. Number three, 
The best intimacy acts aren't sexual at all. Touch. Engage mind, will, emotions. Engage that. The soul. Engage the mind, the will, emotions. Touch. Hold. Be present. Be involved. Connect. Be intimate. So intimacy is not just the act. It's all of the process that leads into it. It's being involved in the process. Being involved in, in God, engaging. So, number four is this. You don't have to read between all these lines, all right? Slow down. Savor the experience. Slow down. Slow down, dude. Slow down. Slow down, woman. Slow down, man. Come on, slow down. Hey, dude, slow down. She's like an oven. Takes a long time to heat up. You like a microwave. You're like, boom, whoo, we already heated up. Slow it down. Slow down. Talk, connect. Pastor, I, 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 don't, I don't even know how to do all of that. I don't even know to do what she likes. Talk to her. Connect with her. Have dialogue. Communicate. Yes, I'm being very open and honest, but it's 2020, and we've got to talk about some of these things. So, slow down. Savor the experience. Savor the experience. And number five, I'm going to be honest with you, Aging will affect your performance, but not your intimacy. Health things may change your performance, but not your intimacy. You can still be intimate. You can still love. You can still connect. Is that beautiful? Still God wants that intimacy. I don't care how old you are. And maybe things didn't work, don't work like they used to when you were 18, 20, whatever it was. But you can still wrap your arms around that girl. You can still hold her. You can still flesh to flesh. Let the beauty of the moment. Is that all right? And there's intimacy. I'm not making fun. I'm not being funny right now. I'm being serious. Intimacy. Hold. Be what God created you to be. And let it be blessed. Because if you will do what I'm coaching you to do today as a pastor, you don't have to worry about number seven. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Because you've already leaned into the principle of wanting godly, healthy intimacy. And you do it God's way. Is that all right today? Would you stand with me? Either we're going to have the fullest house you've ever seen next week, or there will be no one here. I don't know exactly where we'll land next week, but I will tell you this, there's only one thou shalt not commit adultery. But I want to say this. I want, uh, I want, our, I want our men. I want. If you're next to your spouse right now, I want you to reach over and grab their hand. Reach over and grab their. I know you've already done that this weekend. Hopefully, I want you to grab their hand. Let me. Let me just say this to David and Belinda. Come here, just a minute. Come here, just a minute. One of the most intimate things. One of the most intimate things is turning around and just facing one another. Hold on. And look her in the eye. Why? Because the same thing that precedes lust, when a woman and a man marry one another, look in each other's eye, the look equally fires up the passion. So look. Calm down, buddy. Calm down. He's got 
flames coming out of both both ears. He said, hurry up. God help us right now. Isn't this beautiful? Look at it. That's why women, now we're not getting on the right or wrong on this, but women love dancing because it's so close and intimate. Hold her hand. Turn on the music at the house. Have you a little dance. The kids are out of the house. Look at your girl. Are you with me? Uh, if you're next to your spouse right now, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I am to turn around and say something kind. Would you do that? Something loving. Maybe you want to give her a kiss. Maybe you want to hold her hand. Maybe you want to hug her neck. This is a good opportunity, all right? Good opportunity. Come on, hug your spouse. It's all right. It's healthy. It's healthy. It's healthy. It's healthy. It's healthy. Healthy. And that's what I want you to do right now. I don't care what you baggage you've been through, what kind of stuff you've been through. I want you to look in the eye and I want you to say, I love you. I love you. Do that? I love you. Isn't that good? Now, now, we were brave today to do this at Parkway. We were brave. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Because we're a church that believes in families. We're a church that believes in family. I'm not pro-man and pro-woman. I'm pro-couple. I want God to do what God wants to do in marriage. I want this church to have the most healthy relationship that's ever been. But to do that, we got to get back in the Word of God. Amen? Give the Lord a great, great clap of praise. Give Him love here today. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, I know when I talk about subjects like this, God, the struggle I have in my heart as a pastor is not being open and honest. It's not that. It's knowing what is in the house, the hurts, the baggage, the pain, that certain subjects bring up. That's what I struggle with. But God, you're a God of grace. You're a God of love. You're a God of mercy. But also, you're a God of truth. And I ask you to come in here today, heal hearts, heal marriages, heal lives. Singles that are dating God, let them put godly boundaries. God, let us be all that you want us to be. Let us leave out of here healthier, stronger than we've ever been. And God, let us, first of all, be intimate with you. Let our relationship with you be stronger than ever before. God, I want to have you in singleness of heart towards you and you alone. God, I ask you to draw. Let my morning times of devotion and my times of prayer in the day, God, let there be intimacy between you and I. Let me feel your love. I'm going to look on you. I'm going to involve, God, my body in praise. I'm going to involve my soul and my mind and will and motions in worship to you. And I'm going to involve my spirit to connect with your spirit in a holy unity, God, that you can only do. We thank you for your greatness and your mercy and your power. And the church said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. God, have a blessed week. Have a blessed week. Give the Lord some love. You're a wonderful people. Thank you for being in the house.